comes from Judges chapter 6 and also looking at some of Judges chapter 7, looking at Gideon. And if you know the story of Gideon, it is one that's very interesting but also is uh, very encouraging uh, because he faces some trials in which we can relate to what we face uh, today. And so this evening I just want to show the encouragement we can find from a man uh, like Gideon and the things in which he accomplished uh, because the Lord was with him. Gideon is a great Bible character of the Old Testament. And like many Bible characters, he was not pleased with the wickedness that was around him, with the Midianites and others who were around him and causing great grief. Uh, but God, as we know, will send him to battle uh, his wicked oppressors. Gideon would be used by God. And so we're going to start with that very idea going in Judges chapter 6 and beginning in verse 11. Looking at Gideon's visitor and looking at verses 11 through 13, we find here really Gideon's uh, oppression and his despair. He wasn't happy about how things were going uh, for him and for the other faithful. Notice Judges chapter 6 beginning in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abzerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress, in order to hide it from the Midianites. That gives us a glimpse into the hardships in which Gideon and others were facing, that they were trying to do some basic tasks, and they were having to hide it uh, from the Midianites, obviously, so it wouldn't be taken by them. Verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, a mighty man of valor is someone who is good at battle, someone who is well-trained, someone who is very capable and is able to do well in battle. And we see here, this is how the angel of the Lord addressed him. He says, you mighty man of valor. But notice how Gideon responds in verse 13. He says, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the, his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so we have a very clear picture that he was not a happy person. He was very distraught and upset about what's going on. And like we sometimes, if we're not careful... Uh, especially those who are weak in faith, and begin to ask, well, where is God when things are getting difficult? And he says in verse 13, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Do you notice there the first Lord is lowercase and the second one is uppercase? He says, Oh, my Lord, he's speaking to the angel of the Lord. And the second one, he's talking about the Lord of heaven, which would be God. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You know, that's one of the things that critics will say. Well, if, the, if God, is, God exists, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Well, there's numerous reasons why. Part is because man has to face the consequences of his poor decisions. Things, bad things happen because sometimes people make bad decisions. And also because the decisions of others also affects us as well. If our country goes into war, it affects us. Do we decide to do that? No, not necessarily, not us individually. 
but we have to deal with the decisions of others and many other numerous things which, which we uh, could talk about, but it's not the thrust of our lesson this evening. But Gideon asked them, basically, he goes on to say, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And we know about the various miracles that happened in Egypt with the plagues and then the dividing of the Red Sea and walking across on dry land and then crushing the army that followed them. And then he says in verse 13, But now the Lord has forsaken us. Now we know the Lord does not forsake the faithful. But sometimes when things are tough, there are those who begin to wonder, where is God? Well, God is not far from us. Now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. But I want us to notice next what happens. We have several interesting things that are going to happen pretty quickly. Beginning in verse 14, we see the angel of the Lord charges him, that is Gideon, to deliver his people. Beginning in verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord is capitalized there, but he is speaking through who? Through the angel that's there speaking to Gideon. Go in this might of yours, and ye, shall, and ye shall save Israel from the hand of the Mennonites, have I not sent you? Now this might of yours, not just, I think about it this way, not just his physical strength, but his determination. It's very clear that Gideon had had enough of the Midianites. He had enough of their, their oppression, and now he is going to be, become a tool for the Lord. Verse 15, he says, So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, if you know much about Gideon, we know that in chapter 7, that God's going to use a very small army. In fact, he's going to take a large army and make them purposely make them small so that others want to look at this large army and say, well, they did that, not the Lord. It's interesting that he would go into battle with a small army, but here we find he thinks in verse 15 that it being small is a bad thing. He says, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Well, the Lord has always, many times, over and over again, we've seen him use men who are in uh, lower positions to do great, extraordinary things, and Gideon would be no exception. We notice in verse 16 <clears throat> that he has promised victory. The Bible says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, if the Lord says he's going to be, to be with you, and you're going to defeat these people, then we know from history that the Lord will then be with him, and that he will defeat these people. Because the Lord is a keeper of promises, and he will carry out and fulfill all those things which he promises to those who he, who he is using as we see with Gideon. But Gideon, of course, as we have seen already, is one that is worried about how this is going to be done. He said he's, you know, he, their clan's the weakest. He's the least in his father's house. But now in verse 17, we see that Gideon is going to be shown proof about who he is speaking to and that God is definitely with him. Beginning in verse 17, 
The Bible says, And he said to him, If, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me, show me a sign that it, that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. Well, he's talking about the angel of the Lord, isn't he? Now, one thing I notice here is the patience of God because he's going to allow Gideon to do this. Verse 19, So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah, from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Verse 20 says, and the, angel, and the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay, lay, lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. You know, both of those would show this was not some hallucination. This is a man of God, a messenger of God, that's what angel literally means, who is speaking with him. The Bible says in verse 21 that a flame, or a fire, the fire rose out of the rock, which is obviously not a common occurrence, rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. It would seem that this happened rather quickly. So you can imagine this wasn't just some little flame, but a fire rose out of the rock and consumed all this. And then the angel disappeared or departed out of his sight. Verse 22 says, Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Why is that? Because we're told in Scripture, whoever, if someone happened to see the face of God, they would die. But we notice here, he is speaking with an angel of the Lord, not literally God himself. He is speaking. He has spoken to this angel. Now he, finds, he has proof given to him, and he is convinced in verse 22 and in verse 23. But we want to ne notice next a promise that is given to Gideon. We find his, what we'll really find in verses 25 through 32, as we'll see in a moment, is Gideon's going to be faced, before he goes out and wages war against the Midianites, he has to first deal with a problem, he might say, within his own household. Well, let's look at verse 25. Gideon is charged with destroying the idol which his own father had created. Look at verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer, burnt, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. And so he, he charges Gideon to go in and basically to tear down your father's idol. And you're going to use that same wood to build an altar to the Lord. And you're going to sacrifice the Lord on the wood that was just torn down from this false god. Now you think about that for a moment. We think about how God, his command sometimes causes us to 
go against the traditions of men, doesn't it? It causes us sometimes to break away from some of the things our families have been doing for years. And no doubt this is what Gideon's going to do here. By breaking down this altar that uh, his father had, this altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. As we see that at the end of verse 25. Well, how does Gideon respond? Well, in verse 27, we see he obeys. The Bible says, So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Now Gideon, no doubt, is fearful, obviously, because he does it at night, but he still does it, doesn't he? And we notice in verse 28, And when the men of the city arose in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it, it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. Now obviously that would not be pleasing to them. And look what happens in verse 29. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. It doesn't seem it takes them very long to figure out who's done it. The Bible goes on to say here in verse 30 that Joash seems to have a change of heart seeing what has happened. Sometimes it's very interesting to see what takes place before someone, not say, comes to their senses. Look at verse 30. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. And so they tell Joash, Go get your son and bring him out here. We're going to kill him for what he has done. But notice what Joash responds. Notice how his father responds in verse 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Why would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. What is he talking about? He's saying let Baal speak for Baal. Let Baal put his son to death. Well, that couldn't happen, could it? Baal was no longer there. It was torn apart. It was destroyed. The altar, the image. Verse 32. Therefore on that day he called, he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. And so even his father says, You know what? If Baal has been treated so badly, then let him speak up. And of course... That is not possible. And so Gideon obeys and has torn down and cleaned out this altar that his father once had and also this image that was set up. And so he first overcomes and takes over this personal battle. But now we're going to see as we go to Judges chapter 7 that he's going to face another battle. Well, I think it's interesting he has to deal with his father and his father's house before he goes and does anything else. <coughs> Judges chapter 7, we find the victory of God <coughs> with 300 soldiers. In Judges 7, we find that the army is so large that he shrinks it so there is no doubt who provided the victory. Look at Judges 7 verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give, to give the Midianites into your hands. 
lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. And so God shows his purpose behind it. He says, Look, your army is so large that if you go and win, which you would because the Lord is with them, people could say, Well, it was the army who did this, not the Lord. And so what would happen? We'll see the number of the army is going to be cut down to 300. First, there's only two things that take place. First, in verse 3, he says, Whoever is scared, go home. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. 22,000 people left. And he said, If you're afraid, go home. And they left. Now, that should be pretty disheartening, too. You have that many people who are afraid and go home. But still, there's 10,000 of them left. <clears throat> and God says that's still too many. Now, 10,000, 32,000 uh, 32, is huge as well, but 10,000 is still a lot of men. And God says that's too many. But it's not, uh, today, we would consider 10,000 to be a huge army, but to be uh, something that we'd have to consider seriously. Look at verse 4 and 7. 4 through 7. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, This one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Basically what God is saying is, I want to tell you who to take and who not to take. The idea there, I, think, I might read that, I'll think of this idea. I'll tell you who to take and don't argue with me. That's what I think about when I read that verse. This is who you're going to take and this is who you're not. Verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, he shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down their knees to drink water. So then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who, who laughed, I will save you, and deliver the Mennonites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his own place. Now there has been some discussion, of course, about what is this talking about? Why would he do this? I think a simple thing that comes to my mind is I picture three hundred men who scoop the water up to their hands and drink it from their hands, and those who get down on their knees and drink it from, from the water like that. Well, how quickly can a soldier get up from his knees? Not very quickly. The person who has the water in his hand is looking, is still going to be able to see what is going on around him more easily. At least that's what I think about anyway. But nonetheless, those 300 men who took the water in their hand and drank from their hand was the 300 who would stay. All the others would go. Well, there was 10,000 men before this. So that means, means uh, 9,700 men would go home because they got down their knees and drank the water. You go from 32,000 to 300, you're going to notice how, first of all, how much quieter it is when you go from 32,000 to 300. But also, you're going to probably hear any, any type of murmuring, any type of curious you know, words are going to be clearly heard. But we'll find here next what God does. After he shrinks the army down from 32,000 to 300, 
Notice what happens next. We find that Gideon is encouraged as we look at verses 14 and uh, 13 through 15. Here the Bible says, And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Now he's talking about here how he is, he is hearing the conversation of some Midianite men. And here's what he hears. Here's, this is what he overhears. He said, I have had a dream to my surprise. A loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. And he came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and, it over, that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the son of Joash, a man of Israel. And to his, into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so this man tells his companion his dream, and his companion says, You're talking about Midian, or talking about Gideon. You're talking about this man who is of Israel, this man who God's going to deliver us into his hands. Look at verse 15. And so it was when Gideon had heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. Well, who did he worship? Well, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. If there's one thing that's going to get you excited and fired up and say, We can do this. It's by hearing your enemies say themselves that God has delivered us into his hand. There's no reason for Gideon not to go forward. God will provide the victory using confusion. Look at verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> uh, here, not too far. So Gideon, the hundred men who were with, with him, came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Now, he has 100 men with him. There's also two other places where 100 men are gathered together, and they're all going to bust their pitchers and blow their trumpets at the same time. It would seem they're going to give the illusion that they have completely surrounded this camp, and by making this loud ruckus, it's going to sound like there's huge numbers of an army coming towards them. And the last thing you want in a battle is confusion. Look at verse 20. Then the three, three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You imagine what those two men who were talking earlier were thinking. They hear all this racket and they hear the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. His companion was right. Verse 21, And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Now notice, the army, the Gideon and his army, they don't move. The Bible says they stood in his place. What are they doing? They're literally watching that army attack itself. Verse 22, When the 300 blew, their, blew the trumpets, the Lord said, Every man soared against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Achia toward Zerah as far as a, as a border of Abel Mahola by Tabith. You love those Old Testament names. And so every person has their has a sword set against them by their own companion. Can you imagine Gideon and his small army literally watching this group of Midianites fight themselves? 
They're sitting there watching them attack themselves, and they see them start to flee from themselves. They haven't even attacked yet. Well, we know as you keep reading that they would pursue them, and they, they would destroy all of those individuals. What are some lessons for us today from this? Gideon was called by the angel of the Lord. We today are called, but we are called by the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14 says, To which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or what are we called to do? We are called to follow Christ. We are called to follow him, to obey him, and to teach others to follow and obey him as well. We are called to a higher plane of living by obedience to his commands, as we see in John 10 and verse 10. When Christ says, A thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. The Christian life is the best life. It is a life that is on a higher plane of righteousness and godliness, because it is the life that is following God. Gideon was called, and so are we, by the gospel. God tested Gideon, encouraged Gideon, and put him to work. We are tested today as well. We too are given trials and we can be encouraged today by God as well. Look at Colossians 2 verses 5 through 8. Here Paul says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He's saying, I'm not there with you, I'm absent in the flesh. He says, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, that is the good things they're doing, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, that is their faithfulness to Christ. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. What is he talking about here in verses 5 through 8? That he was encouraged by their actions, and he was encouraging them to keep doing what they were doing. He says in verse 5, Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. He was encouraged by their faithfulness. And no doubt that encouraged them. Today, we can be encouraged by others. We can be encouraged... When we look at God's Word, we can say, you know what, we're doing just that. We're doing exactly what God was talking about. And we can find encouragement from that. He says in verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. If you're established in the faith, you're not easily swayed back, or back one way or the other. He says, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, with joy. And so we are encouraged today by God through His Word. Through His Word and, and the answers He gives us, and through prayer, we are continually, continually encouraged by God. Like Gideon, we are tested by trials and encouraged by the blessings we have from God. Look at Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who? The Christians with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so we are encouraged when we receive those blessings from God. Those blessings include, of course, salvation, and also God hearing and answering our prayers. 
And so we are tested by trials. We are encouraged by the blessings from God. And then we put, and then we go to work for the cause of Christ. Matthew 13 and verse 8 says, But others fell on good ground. This from the parable of the sower. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. We today are to be out doing all we can to further the kingdom of God. And we can be fruitful in various amounts, as we see here, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. Talking about those who receive the seed on good ground, those who are faithful servants of God and are out doing all they can for God. <coughs> Gideon was doing the same thing. He was called by God, he obeyed God, and he continued to work for God. He cleared out his father's house, and then he went after those who were coming after the faithful of God. As we close this evening, let us learn from the example of Gideon. Let us not be afraid to face our personal battles, as we saw in Judges 6, 25 and 26, when he dealt with the idol and the image uh, in his father's house. We can learn from his, from his example of taking on battles before others as well. In Judges 7, what did he do? He took on the Midianites before all the world to see. And he was victorious because God was with him. So let us learn from Gideon. Let us, ha let us believe in God, trust in God, and obey God just like Gideon. He was a man who put his faith in God, and God did not disappoint. This evening, as you think about these things, we think about the encouragement we can see from Gideon, the bravery and the courage. We, too, can follow that example, follow that example as we faithfully serve God. And so this evening, if you need to ask for prayers, if we can pray for you, encourage you, if you need to repent of sins, whatever your need may be, you can come forward now. Let's get up, we stand and sing the song that's been selected.